I want to turn to God's Word now, so grab your Bibles out. And as you're doing that, let me just um, use some terminology that might need to be explained, at least for some people in this room. You see, I'm old enough to remember making mixtapes for every occasion. So while those of you who already know what I am talking about tune out for a moment while you reminisce making your own mixtapes, I'm going to catch the young ones up for a minute. A mixtape... A mixtape was an analogue playlist built on a theme. We couldn't ask Spotify to find more songs like this or let Apple Music curate a genius playlist for us. We had to use our twin deck cassette recorder, all right, to sort through our cassette library and record each individual song to a queued up blank tape. Except my parents were so tight, they wouldn't spring for a twin deck cassette player. So I just had to have a blank tape queued up with my finger resting on the record button while listening to the radio station, waiting for that song to finally make it to air after in the morning ringing the DJ and requesting that song. And you'd press record and pause, remember, at the same time? And you'd be sitting there, and it was so annoying when the DJ talked into the song. It could take hours, hours to make the perfect mixtape. Now, of course, you can just look up thousands of curated playlists to find the perfect one for whatever you're doing. But let me tell you, young ones here and scattered around the place, there is no replacing the thrill of making an awesome mixtape and plucking up enough courage to walk up to that pretty girl in the lunch time in the playlist and saying, hey, I made a playlist for you. I made a mixtape for you. All right, romantic songs, of course, have always been a favourite theme for mixtapes or playlists, but maybe the next most popular would be a good road trip mixtape, all right? A, a, A good, long road trip can be made even better by having the right soundtrack for your adventure. And there have been lots of names for these over the years. A playlist, a mixtape, and long before any of us were born, they were called Songs of Ascent. You see, at least once a year in ancient Israel, families from all over the land would make a road trip, a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship God at the temple. 
And it was a special journey. It could take a week, maybe even more sometimes, of walking, meeting up with other travellers on the way, setting up camp each night, sharing meals around a fire communally each evening. There was an immense anticipation of being in the presence of God at his temple. Look, all of those people probably had a synagogue in their own hometown. But this was different. This was the the holy place where God's presence was promised. And it was such a special journey that songs were composed for it. Songs that the people would sing as they travelled towards Jerusalem. They were songs for the road, psalms of ascent, and we have recorded them for us in our Bibles today. So if you turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, which, by the way, is actually a collection of numerous individual books of ancient songs that Israel used to sing in their worship, you will find the Psalms of Ascent. And they have been gathered together. You'll find them from Psalm 120, and they run all the way through to Psalm 134. A 14-track mixtape of songs for the road. Now, they're called Psalms of Ascent because almost no matter where you lived in Israel at that time, it was an uphill journey to get to Jerusalem. Some of you have been to Israel. Some of you have stood in Jerusalem. It is built on a high mountain range in the southern part of the land. So as the people would leave the plains and the villages from where they came from, the road that they travelled on slowly wound its way up through the mountains towards the temple and as the people ascended, they would sing. So over the next four weeks, I plan on selecting just one song for each Sunday. And we're going to join these travellers as they journey towards the joy of meeting in the presence of God and with each other. So as we today celebrate meeting together in person for the first time since lockdown began and we anticipate even more growing freedoms over the coming weeks, Lord willing, in how we meet together, in being able to take the masks off and sing until we rattle the windows. We are joining our songs with ancient songs and I think that we can learn from these songs. They are songs, remember, for the road, for the journey. They are the Psalms of Ascent. So today... We're going to just choose Psalm 120, the very first psalm that you come across in the Psalms of Ascent. And you will notice before even it says verse 1 in your Bible, it will say a song of ascent or a psalm of ascent. So find Psalm 120 in your Bible. I'm going to read from the Christian Standard Bible. Would you stand up as I read it? That would be great. If you can, if you, if you can't stand, that's fine. But if you could, stand while we read the Word of God. 
Psalm 120. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Lord, rescue me from lying lips and a deceitful tongue. What will he give you, and what will he do to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with burning charcoal. What misery that I have stayed in Meshach, that I have lived amongst the tents of Kedar. I have dwelt too long with those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Psalm 120, the very first song of ascent, and that's God's word. Why don't you take a seat? This is not your typical road song, right? Not your typical road trip song. The first thing that you might notice about this song is that it doesn't sound particularly positive. When I make a mixtape, when I choose a curated playlist, one for a road trip, they're generally positive, upbeat, they sort of match the mood, right? We're going on an adventure, we're heading out on our holiday, we're, we're going on a surf trip, we're doing whatever it might be, we're on our bikes and we've got something playing in our ears, it's, it's positive, but this doesn't sound so positive. Road trips are supposed to be upbeat and fun, right? Well, stick with me, and I hope that I can show you why that this psalm is the perfect place to begin our journey. So let's begin a bit of a roadmap for this psalm and break it down so that we can follow the rhythms that exist in it and see if we can lay hold of how it served the original singers in order that we might learn the lessons that we need to learn today. So the, the song has sort of three main movements. Um, the first one is the first two verses, Psalm 120 verses 1 and 2. And then the second movement is verse 3 and verse 4. And then the third movement is from verses 5 down to verse 7. Okay? This song has three movements through it. But it also has four significant themes that emerge out of the song that I think reveal important truths that we need to grapple with even today. Ultimately, this song, I believe, is a song about repentance. It's a song of repentance. And that's why I say that this song represents a desire for a better horizon, a better horizon than whether the psalmist finds themselves right now. This is, this is the perfect song to begin the playlist with. This is a setting out song. This is the song that we put on as we're getting into the car and as we're saying, let's go on our great road trip. Let's go on this uh, journey that we're about to set out on. This is a setting out song. It's a song that is to be sung when we realize that we are not in the place where we want to be. Maybe when our hearts have grown discontent and we realize that we are far from where we ought to be. So here are the four themes that I think emerge out of the song. I'm going to show them to you from the text. The first one is this. The first theme is to acknowledge the danger. Acknowledge the danger. The psalmist 
recognises in this song the danger that they are in. And there are obvious dangers that come out in the text, dangers that surround them from without, but I think they also recognise that there is a more subtle danger going on here, and maybe it's even a more dangerous threat. So I want to show you first the the ones that they recognise the dangers from without. Psalm 120 verse 2. Find that in the text and read it with me. It says this, Lord, rescue me from lying lips and a deceitful tongue. That's the first one I want you to notice. Then go down to verse 7. I want you to notice what they say there. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. The psalmist is recognizing that they live somewhere and the people around them There's a danger to the environment they live in. The danger without consisted in the environment that the psalmist lived within. The type of people that they had surrounded themselves with. I think it's a recognition of the sin that exists in the atmosphere of our lives. And these are the external dangers that can act upon us. And so as we start our song of setting out, this song of repentance, the psalmist recognizes that there are very real dangers around me and I need to be aware of them. And I think that's something that we need to do. As we sing songs of repentance, as we think about repentance, as we come to that place where we think, I'm not in the place where I want to be or where I ought to be. I want to be near God. Have you thought that? I have. Even in this period of lockdown where things change, our normal rhythms change, our normal patterns change, maybe the the believers that have encouraged you in your walk along the way seem distant from you, and there are times in this period where we may have thought, I'm not in the place where I need to be. And I'm not just talking about a building that we can gather in. I'm talking about the spiritual state of our life where we may have all of a sudden come to a realisation, I am in a place where I don't want to be and I want to be in the presence of God. I want to be in relationship with Him. I feel so distant, maybe. Then we need to acknowledge and see the dangers, the very real dangers that exist around us. But I think in this text, we see that the psalmist is also acknowledging that there are some subtle dangers that exist within Maybe the psalmist was also voicing a fear, a a desperate cry for help, a recognition that quite often the influence from without will begin to change the substance within. So when in verse 2 again, look at it, Lord, rescue me from lying lips and a deceitful tongue, the psalmist could be talking about the people out there around them, but but it's very possible that the psalmist is also recognising the lying lips and the deceitful tongue that they might see in the mirror. Lord, rescue me from my own deceitful mouth, my own lying lips. We humans are inexhaustibly adaptable. We adjust to change. Some of us like change more than others, but eventually we adjust to change. We bend and we compromise. And what was once extreme in our thinking will soon be accepted as normal, 
quite often. And so within, we must acknowledge the danger and we must acknowledge that sense of crying out, saying, God, I need to be rescued from myself. It's not just everybody else's fault. It's not just I'm in a bad place because of all of those people out there. Quite often we have to turn our attention inwards and we say, Lord, rescue me from my own sinfulness. Psalm 120, verse 6, look at that. This is why I think that maybe the psalmist isn't just looking from without, they're looking within. Psalm 120, verse 6 says, I have dwelt too long with those who hate peace. Have you felt like that? Where you've looked at the situation of your life and you thought, I've been here too long. I've, I've got comfortable in this place. I've been here too long. I have dwelt too long. And maybe just like the prodigal son that Jesus tells a story of that came to his senses while sitting in a pig pen. Have you ever thought about that? There was one moment while he was in that pig pen that everything seemed okay. And then all of a sudden something switched in his brain. He came to his senses and the psalmist realises that his environment is having an influence on him. That where he is is not where he wants to be and that something needs to change. That's the first theme that comes out. Second theme is this, that there is a consequence of inaction. A consequence of inaction. What will happen if nothing changes? Regardless of where the lying lips are, whether they're outside of the psalmist or whether they're the own lips of the psalmist, what will happen if the psalmist does nothing? Well, we can see it in the text. Have a look, verses 3 and verse 4. What will he give you? And what will he do to you, you deceitful tongue? Here the psalmist is talking to his own tongue. And he's asking a rhetorical question, a question that he's going to ask of the Lord or ask of his own tongue as if the tongue could answer him. What will he do to you? What will he give you, he's asking, O deceitful tongue? And here's the answer, it's in verse 4. A warrior's sharp arrows and burning charcoal. Ever burnt your tongue in a hot pie? Hot charcoal. A warrior's sharp arrows. We can see at the very least, if nothing changes... If the deceitful tongue, the lying lips, if the environment around us doesn't change, what consequences are there? And we can see from the text the psalmist knows there will be dire consequences if nothing changes. There are real consequences to sin. And they cannot be escaped. We cannot continue to live the same way and expect a different outcome. Here's the third theme that comes out of this text. Yes, there are real consequences of inaction, 
But that leads us to a realization that there is a desperate need for change. So verse 1, read with me back in verse 1. In my distress, right, the psalmist is distressed. They're looking around them. They're looking within. They know the consequences of continuing unchanged. And so they're distressed. And he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. The good news is, he answered me. It's right there from verse 1. It sets the tone. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. And here's what he called. Verse 2, Lord, rescue me from lying lips and a deceitful tongue. Right, the psalmist is in distress. And his distress has caused him to call out. In his distress, he turns to the Lord and he looks for rescue. He recognizes that he must be rescued from without. He needs a rescuer. Left to his own devices, maybe nothing will change. Back to the verse that we've already read down in verse 6. The recognition, I have dwelt too long. I've dwelt too long with those who hate peace. I think it gives us an insight into the psalmist's life. There's a, a crisis moment here and he recognizes, listen, I'm distressed. I've called to the Lord. Please rescue me. I know the Lord has heard me and I need to do something different. I can't stay here any longer. He chooses to take action. He chooses to change his environment. He chooses to draw closer to the presence of God. And so he sets out on this great pilgrimage from his hometown and he longs to be in the temple in the presence of God. And we're going to sing other songs on this journey along the way. Ones about how good it is to be in the presence of the Lord. How good it is to spend one day in his temple than a thousand years elsewhere. But before we can sing those songs, a choice must be made to even leave. And so there is a choice made. And the fourth theme is this. The psalmist looks to a better horizon than the one he sees now. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. He answered me. Don't overlook that. Because the psalmist has just said, I'm in distress. There's this threat of lying lips and a deceitful tongue. I've, I've lived too long. I'm being influenced by my environment. And maybe in those places, you've experienced that and you think, how can God ever look on me? How can God ever smile towards me? How could God ever welcome me? How could God ever reach out to me? How could he run to me like the father did to the prodigal son? I'm beyond that. Well, in your distress, call out to the Lord and you will hear answers from him as well. And they will sound like this. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We set our vision on the presence of God and we say, I just need to run to him. And he answered me. We're going to take communion soon. And, and this psalm is great, right? 
Here we have this setting out song, the, the first song on our mixtape. And the four themes, we acknowledge the danger around us, we understand the consequences of inaction, what happens if we stay here and do nothing, we own the need for change, we must do something different, and we set our vision on a better horizon and we look towards the presence of God. But here's the problem. If we try to apply any of that without anchoring it in the grace of God, which is found in Jesus and proclaimed by the gospel, well, it is all just good advice, no different than what you will find in most self-help aisles in a local bookstore. Because despite what popular culture tells you, you are not the master of your own destiny, you are not the sole captain of your life, and you cannot pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Without the gospel, we are lost. There is no horizon outside of Jesus. There is no good news apart from the gospel. Jesus is the one who meets us in our pig pen. He is the one who meets us in the tents of Meshach and Kedar, which is where the psalmist says, I've dwelt too long here. And from that place, wherever it is, he has blazed a path of salvation which travels squarely through the cross of Calvary. There isn't another road trip worth taking if it bypasses Jesus. We run from our sin and rebellion. That's good. But instead of just resolving to do better, or to make better choices, or to turn over a new leaf, we must cry out to Jesus and celebrate the grace that he freely offers this morning. Right? Jesus is your better horizon. That's where we run to. And so we're going to remember him this morning. We're going to take bread soon and take the cup soon and we're going to remember what it took for God to make a better way. We'll remember his body broken and his blood shed and we will remember that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And so we will take the bread. And we'll take the cup. And maybe those who are serving us might want to head up there and start preparing it. And as you move in a socially distanced manner to take the bread and to take the cup, we do so not in a way to think, well, I've done really well this week, I've made good choices. And I feel like I, in good conscience, can take this cup this morning. That's not the point of communion. It is a recognition as we take these emblems that it is precisely our sin that caused Jesus to have to die and to break his body and shed his blood so that we might know what grace is. So if you know Jesus this morning, if you call him Lord of your life, if you have surrendered your will and given your sin over to him, 
then this morning I'm going to invite you, please walk up to the table and in remembrance of your Saviour, take the bread and take the cup and just simply thank Him for grace. In our distress, we call out to Him and He answered us. Have you dwelt too long where you are right now? Have you recognised something needs to change? If I keep living this way, if I keep walking this journey that I'm on, there are dire consequences to it. What do I do? Then simply this morning, call out to Him. Call out to God. In your distress even, call out to Him. He has answered us. He has given us Jesus. He has offered grace and a pardon for sin. And look to a better horizon that's in Jesus. So come, take the bread and take the cup and remember him. Lord, thank you for meeting us this morning in your word, celebrating with us as we gather. You love your people to gather. It must bring you joy. It certainly brings us joy. But many of us, Lord, in our heart of hearts, we know that where we are is not where we ought to be. And Lord, you have placed even that desire within us. It's not where we want to be. We want to be close to you. We want to be enjoying the riches of your presence. We want to be celebrating intimacy with you as our God, where it is like Adam and Eve that we walk in the garden with you and we are known by you. But Lord, many of us have wandered away from that. And Lord, in our distress this morning, we call out to you and we look to Jesus as our better horizon. We thank you for him. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the gospel of good news. That it's not up to us that you have achieved it all. And we simply by faith rest in you. And so as we take this bread and, and take this cup, we remember Jesus. Amen.